Hey guys, welcome back to Simply Talk, a show brought to you by Simply Creative. My name is Andres Sarmiento. I'm the host of the show, and I'm joined today with my co-host Jeffrey Creighton. Liz, tell the viewers a bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Lizbeth Pacheco, and I'm the co-founder of Ethos Coffee Roasters in Lakeland, Florida. And I'm just uh, honored and excited to be talking to you today. Um, you know, it's always great when you see people starting things, and this is the second thing that I've seen you start. So yes, and you know, probably courtesy. not the last. Probably not the last. Before we get going, Jeffrey, let me tell you a little rundown story of how this became a thing. Yes, I don't think I'm not the only one that wants to know that because he does post about your coffee a lot, so I'm pretty sure it's really good. But it's really good. You know, um, I might go on a little tangent, my bad, but uh, I'm not a I'm not a big coffee person myself, but seeing him post about it all the time, it has piqued my curiosity. If you don't like coffee, you, you will at least fall in love with their um, approach on how to bring this to the consumers from uh -huh. from farm to table, literally. But um, I found them through Instagram. I was scrolling on the story feed and this roaster uh shop kept popping up as a sponsor and then eventually i'm like you know what i like coffee it makes sense they're from florida let me let me try so i tried it i'm like wow this is really good this is probably the best coffee i've tried and how we got to get so well acquainted i'm not sure i think it was just me praising their coffee so much that it, it kind of like established a relationship but yeah, I'm just honestly, I'm a, I'm a fan and I'm lucky enough to be able to have contact with the provider. That's my side. I was, you know, I was just going to add to the story that, you know, you guys came to Lakeland. We don't have too many customers who actually come drive, you know, five or six hours just to see the roastery. So that definitely made an impression too. Yeah. You know something? I've been in Florida and I, and, I, and I could never figure out how far away Lakeland is. I always knew it was far. But I didn't know how far it was. Yeah, about five hours or. Well, I was just saying Lakeland is, is, is like a place of like where a lot of like like farms and factories are for some reason. Uh, like. What is it? I think Publix, their their main facility mm -hmm. is in Lakeland. That's right. It's a, it's really? a lot of places up there. Yeah. Wow. I know. A that. lot of stuff comes from Lakeland. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, Ashley, tell us. You told us, but tell the viewers and Jeffrey, like what made you settle down in Lakeland? Because I know uh, you're from Guatemala and your partner is from Colombia and you guys met in University of Florida and it was a love story. But how did that love story come together in Lakeland? Well, honestly, we, we traveled a lot when we were uh, both um, studying and pursuing academic careers. So um so my husband, uh, just for context, uh, he actually went through med school, residency, and all of that stuff takes about 12 years of your life. Um, and um, I actually have a PhD in food chemistry, and I did um, an MBA after just because I wanted to get more into the business side. And uh, we, we had the idea for Ethos for a few years uh, before being able to start it, mainly because you know, we wanted to make sure that we were done with, you know, academics and everything. And one of us was able to have that steady job. So the other one could take the risk and, you know, really give it a hundred percent. So Florida was always our, our dream, 
kind of like our dream home. We always, um, you know, yearn about coming back here. Uh, we really loved it um, when we lived here originally. You know, I think it's the, uh, we're both immigrants, but this was the first place where we arrived. And, you know, we just love the warm weather and, yeah, just everything about it, you know, all so much green. Uh, we think it's, it's, it's a really beautiful place. Um, it also helps that cost of living is relatively low compared to other places. So when you're starting a business or thinking about, you know, finding a place and, um, you know, you have all these expenses and real estate or a place to rent is actually one of uh, the main cost drivers, especially at the beginning. So that was also really nice, um, you know, really nice plus about being in Florida. Is that something that goes hand in hand with coffee making your coffee making business? Or was that just like your degree? And then you just realized that wasn't something that you wanted to pursue any further? Oh, no, I'm very passionate about food. I, I've been passionate about food my whole life. I was just a very picky child, um, very strange child as well, because I would read food labels ever since I learned how to read. And I would ask, uh, you know, the adults, oh, so what is this? You know, what, what's the, you know, monosodium glutamate? What's that? Mm. And uh, of course they didn't know. <laughs> I kind of want to like retouch basis on the on the food chemistry aspect like I'm sure like Jeffrey some would say like how do you like f go from food chemistry to like uh coffee brewing and all that but I personally feel that when it comes to the coffee world people only see the the end product like the lattes or like the finished brew but especially dating a barista uh, I learned that coffee is a huge amount of science like even for a barista like there's applicable factors that apply scientific like traits I guess that can make or break your cup of joe like for example when it comes to espresso espresso alone is a huge scientific art because you have to consider mm -hmm. pressure temperature humidity um, hydration I'm sure the complications of it go even up to the growing the coffee bean. What's your perspective on on the world of meeting the farmers, bringing the bean to your roastery, and like, what's your experience with that? So the reason that we picked coffee is I knew that I wanted to do something in food because I'm fascinated by food, and I also wanted to have a social impact. And the reason that I wanted to have a social impact is because. Um, I was in a corporate job. I actually graduated uh, with my PhD and I went to work with um, Frito-Lay North America, which is a sub subsidiary of PepsiCo. So working on multi-million dollar lines, producing tons, like literally tons and tons of chips and looking at, you know, some of our expert panels um, being comprised of people who were all uh, morbidly obese and with lots of health issues and, I was just feeling terrible about myself. I was just feeling like I'm, I'm a really bad person because I'm making these chips so addictive, you know, so addictive that it's really, really hard for people to, uh, to stop eating them and not to eat them on a very regular basis. And this is having an effect on their health and I can see it and I know it. Um, so I wanted to go into a business that would have a different effect on people's lives and hopefully uh, turn my attention to, 
you know, the country that I'm from, um, you know, Guatemala, my husband is from Colombia. And I grew up, uh, you know, looking, you know, luckily I didn't grow up poor, but I definitely grew up uh, being more, very surrounded by people who were definitely trapped in a cycle of poverty and kind of like, uh, you know, there's, there's this like lack of hope that things are going to get better. And it's just, um, it's just a cycle, you know, like people um, just kind of like rob, they don't have an education, uh, they get pregnant at age 12. And then now the kids kind of like grow up to kind of do the same and live on the streets or live in the farm and then just do subsistence uh, agriculture or subsistence cycle. anything. It's a nonstop cycle. So yes. Yeah, it's, it's a nonstop. And it, it's, it's really sad. And it, you know, it, I always had it in the back of my mind, like, I really need to do something to help them. From the beginning and now, what, what decision did you make to like, make that first transition to a better, sustainable relationship with the grower and the buyer? So, you know, one of the one of the things or the main thing that we knew from the beginning that would make a huge difference in the lives of the farmers would be pay them a higher price, right? That it's just as simple as that. Uh, so you can have all kinds of programs, you can do all kinds of, you know, all this percentage goes back for this particular, you know, for education or for X or Y. But honestly, bottom line, what makes the biggest, biggest difference immediately in their lives is just having a bigger paycheck. What would happen in their lives if suddenly their paycheck got multiplied by three or by four, you know? You work life harder, changing. you're motivated. It's life-changing though. Yeah. You get yeah. your check triple, quadruple, it's life-changing. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, suddenly you can do things you couldn't do before. And it's quite yeah. literal, like the fruits of your labor. Like you're not like just trying to skim through whatever's left you're actually seeing a return where also as you mentioned it in your in the in your website that allows for the farmers to like buy new equipment uh provide for their families and it just in the long haul it's a short big investment for a larger gain for the whole unity of the industry that's right and we're actually, we don't, there's no strings attached to that money. So they are the ones that are deciding where to invest that money. And they are the ones who decided, you know what, we're going to make our operation more efficient. We're going to make our, our coffee better. Another reason why I approached you guys for the coffee, you guys do something that not everyone advertises, which I think they should. Uh, you guys provide the, the location of the coffee, not just not just like the, the regional, but the actual farm itself. And you also provide the process information. So for some people that may not know, coffee has different ways to extract the bean from the, from the fruit. And the mm -hmm. most common is uh, washed, which is through a bath solution that does all the work. And I remember a year before I found you guys, I discovered that and I discovered that I love natural coffee. And what natural coffee is, is that you literally just, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you literally grab the cherries and you throw them somewhere and let them sun dry. It's a little bit more organized than that, I'm sure. But you're letting the sun do all the work. And in the process of that, you're creating fermentation. So you get more 
honey flavors and more like caramelized flavors. It's mm -hmm. not just the flat nuttiness. Um, but maybe you can like like uh, elaborate on that a little bit more. Yeah, so that's, uh, you actually described the natural process really well where coffees are dried as a cherry. So basically you take the whole cherry, you dry it under the sun and after it's dried, then you mill it and you kind of like bring it down to the seed. Uh, so that actually retains a lot of the sweetness from the fruit and more of the fruit flavors as well. So, you know, you can get a lot of like cherry flavors or, you know, red fruits or that's that kind of thing. And then uh, there's a process that's in between the washed and the natural that's called uh, the honey process. And that basically entails uh, partially removing the pulp and then drying the coffee under the sun. So you get a little bit of fermentation, but not as much as with the natural. So, and that also increases a little bit of sweetness, but it's gonna be a little bit closer to the wash in terms of uh, the cup pro profile. So it's gonna taste more like coffee for most people. Uh, because that's the, the number one reason why um, some people just don't um, don't like naturals that much. Uh, and it's because it's um, it's a little bit, it's the most different from what they grew up knowing as coffee. So I guess it just depends on your, the person because I also love naturals. So. There's a lot of misconception about coffee, right? So what would you say is one thing that is a misconception about coffee that actually is not? Well, a lot of people um, think coffee is bad for you. And that's, um, you know, like just health-wise. And, uh, you know, my husband's a doctor. I'm pretty health conscious. Um, we wouldn't have gotten into coffee if we really believed uh, it would be detrimental to people's health. Uh, because that's, you know, that's something that I knew from the get-go that I wouldn't uh, be able to work with a product like that. So... That's, uh, you know, that's a big misconception. I don't know how it came to be. I think some of the earlier studies that were conducted in coffee uh, reported um, like heart palpitations and things like that. Uh, but those were uh, with people that had some other conditions. So what they call comorbidities uh, in health terms. So basically uh, they were also heavy smokers. Uh, you know, a lot of people who like to smoke also happen to really like coffee. Uh, so a lot that of those people true. were actually driven by the smoking, not by coffee consumption. Mm. Um, the things that people don't always mention in their in their statistics is moderations. Like they they either go extreme or not enough. But I, coffee has, at least from what I've heard in my experience, coffee in the right moderation. I think a cup a day can be very beneficial for for that person. But if you have like twenty cups a day, then I mean. At that point, you're pushing it. Yeah. Actually, there's a, the current FDA recommendation is three to five cups a day. Uh, because really? the study that Yeah. The studies that they've done is that's the most beneficial for a lot of things. So one of one of the things that is being really look, um, being looked at, it's the prevention of Alzheimer's disease. So coffee does make your mind uh, more alert and oh, wow. uh, it especially for old, as you get older, uh, you know, like coffee drinkers, people who have been drinking coffee their whole lives tend to have a lower incidence of um, Alzheimer's and dementia and those type of um, like degenerative brain diseases. Society tells you like, okay, well, you have to drink coffee in the morning if you're like, you got to go work at a construction site or you have a, a, a 
busy meeting and you and you want, don't want to have a drag. And then, yeah, it does also follow some people need a smoke break. They're like, oh, man, I'm stressed out today mm-hmm. or, or they eat terrible. You know, I, I'm, I'm a conscious eater as well. Um, so hearing that about coffee and that you have to at least drink at least five cups a day for it to actually well, three to five, so three to five. You're at okay. three. Yeah, you're good. Okay. All right. You, you mentioning having a mission because you are an entrepreneur. You know, you, you started your own business and, and, and it looks to be really successful. And you, you said it's not just about having a profit. You wanted to make a socially impact uh, of change with it as well. Not just with, you know, how people go about what they perceive as coffee, but also what people make. What would you give advice to someone that is trying to be an entrepreneur and words of advice towards having a mission in the process of what you're ultimately pursuing? Well, I'm. I really think that finding or defining your mission should really be step one. So, you know, well, you want to do something, you know, think about how you can impact people's lives with that. Because honestly, it's not just about, you know, like, well, it's going to help you make more money. It's going to help you, you know, market your product maybe in a better way because you're going to resonate with more people. But I think probably the most important benefit of having a clear vision or mission and actually believing in that mission is that it's going to motivate you. It's going to motivate you the day that you feel like not doing anything. It's going to motivate you the day where, when you show up to, you know, like a fair or an event and it just goes terribly, you know, Uh, it's going to motivate you when you talk to 10 people and the 10 of them say no. When was that moment? that you felt that you were finally making a difference or an impact with, with your mission that you've been on for the last so many years? That's a good question. Well, um, you know, I really remember it pretty vividly because it was last year, right before, um, right before COVID hit us. Uh, so we did a trip to Guatemala uh, to visit the cooperative that we've been working with uh, since the very beginning. And uh, I, I was able to contrast it with my very first trip there at the end of 2015. Uh, so that was the very first time that I visited them. And you know the roads were just dirt roads and it took us like an hour to get there because they were you know, in such bad shape. Um, they were selling their coffee as, as a cherry. So they were selling it, you know, just cherries by the pound. Uh, they had no idea how their coffee tasted or how good it was. And uh, they were not organized as a cooperative. They were just kind of like selling to the intermediaries um, that are are also called like coyotes. So basically, you know, everybody was just selling to the coyotes. And um, we started talking about, you know, this idea of, of them organizing under the cooperative so they could you know, so we could have enough coffee that we could at some point uh, buy and, and, and send to the U.S. and basically be something that would be worth their time, right? worth their effort. Um, so they started doing all that work and being able to five years later uh, visit them um, and just see the transformation in their town. Like they, they actually have paved roads now. Uh, which is incredible because they, and you know, this is not something we did for them. This is something they did for themselves. Uh, so they started lobbying their local government saying, you know, 
we we need to get all this coffee out of here like you're gonna get this much taxes like this is what you're losing because you're not giving us a road and they basically they would just go to all the meetings like they would just be like so much like in their face that finally they just caved in and said okay we're just gonna pave you the road because you're too much to deal with it just takes one cobblestone at a time as i say and that little decision will eventually ripple out and build a road ahead that maybe we'll be able to see down the future or maybe we don't but at least we know we had an impact what is creativity to you okay so to me creativity is expressing who you are in you know in the way that you choose to so it could be it could be an art you know like traditional art or it could also be a craft or a product uh, so you know before doing coffee, I am, I was always in front of a computer. So everything was very abstract. And now I get to work with my hands and actually hold a product in my hands that I know I had a lot to do with, um, like with creating. Uh, so it's just, it's just a totally different feeling. You know, I think um, holding something, like making something that wasn't there, like a reality, like mm. that's, I think that's the ultimate realization of human potential maybe i don't know but it might be but very biased but yeah there, there's a feeling that you definitely don't get when you do spreadsheets all day thank you lisbeth for joining the show and if you guys haven't found their coffee check out uh, ethos roasters in central florida and i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of simply talk thank you guys for watching and stay creative